Hello, and welcome to the Bookshelf Conversation, the podcast segment of Ron Kaplan's Baseball Bookshelf, your source for news, reviews, previews, and interviews with authors, artists, musicians, filmmakers, anyone who has anything to do with baseball and pop culture. Because that's our slogan, if it fits on a bookshelf, it fits here. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the audio version of the Bookshelf Conversations. As you might have noticed, if you've been following the blog, we've been doing a few Zoom video interviews, which have been a lot of fun. But once in a while, it's nice to go back, do things old school. And this week, we're talking with Michael Stahl, who helped Bartolo Colon write his memoir, Big Sexy, in his own words. So enjoy. Michael Stahl, welcome to the Bookshelf Conversation. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. So this is uh, something uh, new for you, isn't it? This is your first book? Yeah, I've been a freelance writer for coming up on eight years, uh, mostly a journalist, uh, and uh, I've written a few things about sports, big sports fan, big Mets fan, and, um, but yeah, this is uh, my first book. So how does this differ in terms of what you're used to writing? Well, I think the big thing that jumps out uh, at me in terms of answering that question is that I had to write in somebody else's voice. Um, you know, this is uh, technically an autobiography. Um, I don't think that it's any secret that, you know, I- I'm obviously the author, technically, um, because Bartolo, if anyone knows Bartolo well, uh, they know that he, you know, historically always did his interviews with an interpreter. Um, and the book title, Big Sexy Bartolo Colon, in his own words, is admittedly a bit of a, uh, a, a bit of a tongue-in-cheek uh, misnomer. Um, but, uh, but still, you know, I wanted it to be authentic, and I wanted it, you know, to, to be representative of his voice. And that, you know, created some, some challenges. But, you know, listen, when I say challenges, I mean, this is all relative. It was, it was a super fun project. Uh, let's backtrack just a little bit. How did you get the gig? Yeah, so um, about seven years ago, uh, I met this gentleman named Garrett McGrath, who at the time uh, had written some stories for a website that I was also writing for called Narratively. Uh, we met at an open editorial meeting that Narratively um, was frequently having back then, and uh, we just became friends. We kind of bonded over over sports, over New York sports specifically, and <clears throat> just uh, forged a friendship that, that has continued on. And uh, he eventually moved up in publishing and became an editor over at Abrams. And uh, he was actually, as far as I know, was the one that came up with the book idea. And he kicked it up to some other folks at Abrams. Uh, he approached Bartolo's representation about the idea in um, the summer of 2018, just as Bartolo's career was seemingly wrapping up. And uh, everyone was on board, uh, but they needed a writer. Garrett needed a writer, and he figured that uh, I'd be able to deliver at this point in my career. That, that's very cool. Nice nice happenstance. What yeah. was it? What, so what was the process like working 
on the book itself. Did you interact with Bartolo? Did he talk into a... Mm-hmm. How did that work exactly, especially since English is not his first language? Yeah, you know, he do, so he does speak English better than probably most people would realize um, or, or are aware of, but what we wound up doing just to make sure that he was comfortable uh, was uh, in May of last year, 2019, uh we, I visited his home in New Jersey. He lives mostly in the Dominican Republic, but he lives part-time in New Jersey. And uh, I went there with Garrett, and I spent uh, four afternoons with him, uh, with Bartolo, that is, and uh, we were conversing mostly through an interpreter. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously I just you know, re- recorded that, and I had done a ton of research into his career. I mean, I was very familiar with his career. And, again, being a Mets fan, being a Bartolo fan, that was also part of the reason Garrett, I think, uh, chose me as an author. Um, But, uh, you know, I still wanted to go in and show Bartolo that I knew my stuff. I wanted to show Bartolo that, you know, I was not a Fairweather fan and that I was going to take this project very seriously. Um, So I went in and, and, you know, asked him some very specific questions about uh, specific parts of his career. And I started, actually, with uh, his game against the 98 Yankees, which is the best team that I've ever seen. And uh, he pitched them to a, a one-inning, a, a one-run, you know, complete game, which he won, and he put his uh, Cleveland Indians at the time up two games to one in that uh, ALCS. So that kind of, I think, showed Bartolo that... You know that that I was really interested in learning about the nuances of his career, and I wasn't some Mets fan that just wanted to hear about the home run. Um, <laughs> he actually he actually turned to me after we were talking about it. He said, "You know, I have video of that ninth inning from that game on my phone." So obviously, I guessed right that that was one of his big memories. You know, uh, one of his biggest best games. So I think that really like endeared me to him, and. You know, from then on, really, and that was the first thing I asked him about, he was really easy to talk to. He really opened up to me, which was one thing I was concerned about because he's also perceived as this very shy guy. Mm -hmm. And he is very reserved. He is very uh, private. He does keep to himself, again, especially, I think, because of the language barrier is part of it. But, um, you know, once we got rolling, um, he's just one of those people that once you open up, once he opens up, you know, he, he'll he'll talk your head off, you know? <laughs> no, a lot of um, people... Uh, yeah. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I just wanted to finish up. So I, I spoke to him for about four afternoons in New Jersey, and then about a week and a half after that, I went down to the Dominican Republic. Uh, he showed me around where he grew up. Uh, he showed me his baseball academy, which is essentially, you know, located within a stadium he built in a, in a Dominican mountainside. It, it's pretty remarkable. And um, I spoke to him for about a few more hours then. So I think in total the interviews lasted between 12 and 14 hours, something like that. And then we got them transcribed. Uh, We had them translated uh, from Spanish. Uh, Bartolo's parts were translated from Spanish into English for me. And then, yeah, just from that I just kind of pieced together the narrative and and made sure that it was fluid and flowed and and was in his voice. Now... You you say uh, you mentioned memory, and it's, I'm always fascinated by the the amazing memories that athletes have. They can recall details yes. from from childhood. Uh, did you have to do a lot of fact checking? 
Um, yeah, we did a little bit. Um, most of that was, especially in terms of trying to figure out some of the minor leaguers um, that he was roommates with. I remember there were a couple names that I couldn't quite find. But that was sort of fun, you know, for me, because um, you, you realize that, that there are these, you know, maybe like little corners of the Internet that keep minor league baseball statistics that, you know, people might not be aware of. And I was able to locate some of the names of some people that never made the major leagues, but he was roommates with when he was like, you know, 19 years old, 20 years old, and, and just coming to America. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we needed to do that to fact check uh, spelling, especially like name spellings sure. as well um, was, was a big, uh, cons I would say, concern. You want to get that right again, especially since it's in, you know, these names are uh, Latin-rooted names. What about the back and forth? Uh, he talks, you transcribe, uh, you write. Uh, mm -hmm. Did it go back and forth a lot between you and him? Yeah, and again, you know, mostly through a translator. There were quite a few moments, though, where I would speak to him in English, and he wouldn't even need the, the translator, um, and the translator was a close friend of his. Um, and, uh, Bartolo would just kind of start answering my question, uh, in Spanish, you know, before even hearing the translator speak. And there were a few moments also that were, to me, were very interesting. And I think this speaks to a little bit about Bartolo's personality that, uh, some fans of his might not be aware of. He's a very sensitive guy and very conscientious, uh, and concerned with how other people might, uh, perceive him and, uh, you know, he also, especially when it comes to fellow major league players, he doesn't want to uh, show anyone up. Mm -hmm. So one example that, that I can give you is when he was telling me about his home run in San Diego against the Padres, you know, he, he, he said through his interpreter, he said, you know, as I approached first base, you know, their first baseman, Will Myers, gave me a look like, I can't believe you just hit a home run. <laughs> you know, his arms were crossed and he was very upset. So I said, oh, okay, and I started laughing. And then he stopped the interpreter and he said, now, I want to make sure that this is clear. He didn't say, I can't believe you just hit a home run. He looked at me and it seemed like that's what he was thinking. So he wanted, again, he really didn't want to put, like, words into Will Myers' mouth, you know? He was very, like, worried about that in that moment. I thought that that was really interesting and, and, and nice to see as well. One of the things that, that does come across in the book is is a certain yeah. gentleness about mm -hmm. him. He he's not one of these players who uh, talks trash. Uh, if if he has a complaint, it seems like a legitimate complaint, and he doesn't harp on it. There doesn't seem to be a great yeah. amount of resentment for any wrongs, any perceived wrongs that might have happened to him during his career. So that that that's all refreshing in this day where. Yeah, everything is, you know, tell-all and uh, gossipy and, and trash-talking. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, he even uh, tells, he told me the story about when he was in camp with the Texas Rangers, I think, I want to say two years after he hit the home run, he was working out close to James Shields, or maybe the Rangers were playing the White Sox or something, and James Shields was then on the White Sox, and he comes across James Shields for the first time since he hit the home run, and James says to him, uh, "Hey, remember that time you hit the home run off of me?" And Bartolo <laughs> goes, "Oh no, I I don't rem I don't remember that." And you know, he said he said because like I didn't want to make him feel bad, <laughs> you know. But meanwhile, 
that literally is like he says in the book. That's his most single most memorable moment <laughs> as a major leaguer. But in the presence of James Shields, he didn't want to embarrass him. And when he said that to James, he, he said that James Shields uh, just kind of laughed it off and 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 found it funny. Um, but yeah, he's a very sensitive guy. As a matter of fact, a, a friend of mine just uh, I, I said that she read about the first half of the book and says, uh, "Man, this guy uh, he cries a lot." <laughs> um, you know, he constantly uh, is is was telling me these stories about you know, uh, you know, uh, being away from his family the first time that he was in America for an extended period of time that he cried for. I think I think he even told me the specific number of days he remembered crying. I think it was something like seven seventeen straight days. He was wow. like, I cried seventeen straight. They're like he knew the number, okay. um, and then you know he. He had this donkey in the Dominican Republic that was tragically killed, and he cried during that. And then later on in the book, you know, there's also some sincere, really gut-wrenching and, and harrowing um, family tragedies that, that come around uh, that, that struck, strike his life as well, and he's very emotional uh, at those points as well. Well, certainly the, the a highlight of his career was the home run, which which mm-hmm. I always get a kick out of seeing the replay and 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 how Gary Cohen never uh, gets old, never gets old. But another more somber highlight, I would imagine, was mm-hmm. the uh, home run he gave up to Dee Snyder after the death of Felix Hernandez. Uh, Jose Fernandez. Jose, yeah, and yeah, and um, you know, actually, I don't think that he, you know, would would call that. Uh, I mean, the home run itself, I don't think he would say was somber. You know, the, the night was somber. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he, you know, I think he sort of dances around this a little bit, but he all, he all but says he gave, you know, he gave D. Gordon a, a bit of a meatball, um, you know, to hit out of the park, but um, as just kind of like a gift to him and a, and a gift to the Florida fans. But he was friendly with Jose Fernandez. They got to meet, I think, I want to say a year and a half earlier at the All-Star Game. And, um, you know, they both have, obviously, like, Latin American roots. Mm -hmm. And he was very uh, affected by um, Jose Fernandez's uh, quite tragic and and untimely death. And, you know, he kind of said to himself, why why does it have to be me to pitch this first game for Mm -hmm. the Marlins? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he's pitching for the Mets, but but it was the Marlins' first game back. And, um, you know, D. Gordon uh, did a tribute to where he, he took a pitch right-handed because Jose Fernandez was a right-handed uh, hitter. And uh, then he switched uh, left, and Bartolo gave him a, you know, he tried to give him a, a, a meatball right away. Uh, he just he missed a little high, but then the second one was right down the middle of the plate, and Gordon hit it out. And Gordon's not a big home run hitter either, but... Um, you know, he kind of, I guess he sort of knew it was coming, and and he he tried to stop the game. Bartolo, that is, when Gordon went back into the uh, dugout, Bartolo says that he was kind of trying to hold up the game. I don't know, like tying his shoelaces again or something like that um, so that D. Gordon could have an opportunity to come out and address the fans. But D. Gordon was so overwhelmed with grief. You can actually watch the video of this. He's crying as he goes through the dugout and he slaps everybody's hands. He's crying pretty profusely, and, yeah. and he just goes back into the uh, goes back into the uh, clubhouse, um, and then you know the game went on. Yeah, I, I was actually watching. Uh, I forget it was Bleacher Report or ESPN or some outfit did a, a very detailed uh, report on that moment, and uh, 
it, it, it's very, you know, really brings a lump to yeah. the throat to, to watch it. And, so, you know, uh, from a baseball perspective, if I may really quickly, that, uh-huh. that um, people don't, may forget, is, you know, the Mets go on to lose that game. Um, and, you know, ultimately, you know, does the Gordon home run really matter from a baseball perspective? I don't know. I think the Mets lost that game 5-1. to one. But regardless, the Mets were fighting for a playoff position, and this is in September of that year, uh, which the Mets would ultimately get the, uh, the first wild card. And my point just is here is that for Bartolo to just give up a home run, um, in, that, in those circumstances especially, this is not a fifth-place team meeting a sixth-place team. You know, this is a, a team vying for a playoff spot. For Bartolo to just totally throw competition aside, you know, to give those fans that moment, I mean, geez, you talk about uh, class. I mean, I, I don't know that it gets better than that, right? That, that is that is a word that comes out after reading this book. Is he, he is a, a classy guy. So, again, this is your first book. Did you enjoy it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what a thrill. I, I, I don't know how else to put it. It, it. it still kind of blows my mind that, that my name is on that book, um, especially, again, given that, I've been a lifelong Mets fan, loved Bartolo when he was here uh, in Queens with the Mets, and I'm from Queens, born, raised, and living, and, uh, you know, huge baseball fan, and I followed Bartolo's career even before he was with the Mets, you know, his renaissance with the A's, you know, I found that, you know, whole, you know, trek with him, you know, fascinating, um, totally, totally mind-blowing uh, that, that I was the one to be able to do this, and you know, all my, my thanks goes to Garrett and, and Abrams for giving me the opportunity. Now, from a, a practical point of view, especially for a first-time mm-hmm. author, uh, i got to say the timing is really bad because uh, you don't get to go out on publicity tours, yeah. which is a huge, especially for a first-time author, it, it, it's a huge experience. And I'm sorry uh, you don't have an opportunity to enjoy it like you should. Well... You know, I've been doing a, a number of podcasts, um, you know, here in New York, uh, Spectrum Cable Company, they have a uh, all-New York news channel called New York One, and I was I was able to be featured in a, a, a spot um, for that station. Um, you know, Sports Illustrated covered the book a little bit. You know, so overall, that's, it's, it's been nice, and I'm, and I'm really grateful. You know, uh, was, was my dream... Uh, to be in the Mets broadcast booth for a half an inning, uh, maybe with Bartolo by my side, uh, and talk to uh, Gary, Keith, and Ron, the Mets broadcasters. Uh, yes. Does that look like it's going to happen now because of the uh, COVID-19 crisis? Uh, I think that hurts its chances for sure, and that's unfortunate. But, you know, again, ultimately for a writer that is a freelancer and just constantly hustling and trying to make rent in New York, you know, to, to, to do something like this and um, uh, reap, reap all the benefits uh, that, that I can have from it, it's, it's, it's just great. I, I really, I certainly can't complain, absolutely. And we've been talking with Michael Stahl, co-author with Bartolo Corona of Big Sexy in His Own Words. Michael, thank you for talking with us today, and you stay safe. Absolutely, and same to you and your family. And that was our throwback conversation with Michael Stahl. Next up, Joan Ryan, author of Intangibles, Unlocking the Science and Soul of Team Chemistry. 
as opposed to Intangibles by Lonnie Wheeler, which uh, was the subject of a bookshelf conversation some time back. In any case, this is a, a nice throwback book kind of in itself. It uh, goes back to the time before all these analytics, starting with Moneyball, which say that everything should be based on cold, hard data. But as you will see in our conversation with Joan, uh, that's not always the case. So tune in again next time. In the meantime, stay safe and looking forward to opening day whenever it happens. Said, boys, I'm glad I discovered this land. 